0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on flowcombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC still at Fight Island for an exciting bantamweight main event between Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Marias. We, of course, will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also shoot you an underdog at a parlay that we think you could make some cash on this weekend. Plus, we of course are bringing you guys the interviews and we're bringing you the interviews with a fighter in the main event. Corey Sandhagen stops by to chat about that fight as well as what he thinks of the Bantamweight picture right now. Then we're talking with Giga Chikazi as he gets ready for his bout with Omar Morales. All very exciting interviews, all content that you want to get to right now. And joining me now is Corey Sandhagen, who fights Marlon Moraes as the headliner to UFC Fight Island Five. So, Corey, I'm going to start us off on a little bit of a downer note. Obviously, the last time out didn't go your way. It was your first loss in the UFC, and actually your your first loss in almost four years. I, I'm just curious: is when you go back to the gym with this one, how did you react to this situation? Did you feel like you know you did some things right, or was there a total you know overhaul of what you were doing? What was sort of your reaction to the first loss?
1: Uh, well I mean losing is always like a big bummer, especially when it hasn't happened in a really long time but um I wanted to be uh I wanted to be more upset than um, than you know I think was necessary just because uh, it was a really, sorry, there's a fire hydrant, I <laughs> um, I wanted to be more upset about, uh, the loss and like, and, and have something more, um, more, more like concrete and like, ah, man, like, am I really that bad? You know, because when you lose that bad, it's kind of just like a, it's, it's a, it kind of shakes you a little bit, man. You know, you're, you're kind of like, uh well, I I didn't, I know I'm not that bad, you know what I mean? And then when I, and then when I went back to kind of the drawing board and like thought about kind of everything and, uh, how I was before the fight and I, I kind of chalked it up to a a big mistake and, um, in where my headspace was before the fight. Um, I was like very calm before that fight and, uh,
0: I usually am
1: someone that's a, uh, a lot more intense before I walk into the cage and usually I have to bring myself down, uh, in order to perform better. But in this circumstance, I needed to get myself up, but I didn't really realize that, uh, where I was was a really bad thing just because I, I hadn't have had enough experience, uh, to know that, you know, so it's kind of just one of those things where now I know where where I perform best, and uh, it's definitely not being as low on that arousal continuum as uh, as I was that night, which kind of led to a number of technical errors and stuff. So um, I'm not too bummed about it, but I mean I mean losing like that does definitely suck. But when you kind of know the reason that it happened, it, it makes it a lot easier to move on.
0: And I'm curious too, because you talked about you know needing to be higher to start. Is is that something that you feel naturally as you're heading into the cage, or is that something that you're working on bringing to yourself, and that you're you're actively trying to get jacked up for the the future fights?
1: Well, I think I mean just like how kind of every day is different. Like I mean, some days you just, you know you just wake up and you don't have a lot of energy, and some days you wake up and you have a lot of energy, and some days there's really
0: there's really no
1: reason or rhyme uh of why you know and uh it's the same thing when you're fighting you know some days uh when it's time to fight like you you have like a really high up you know and uh and and you don't necessarily need to get yourself to that level of performance but then other days maybe for whatever reason you're extremely nervous about this fight and uh and then you need to bring yourself down and you kind of just need to know where you are on that axis and where you perform best on that axis. And, um, like I said, like it has, in the past, it had always been a matter of, okay, I naturally, uh, operate or, or my mind wants to go to a place that is very high, you know? So I need to consciously bring myself down to a lower point. That way I don't just go out and fight like a moron. So, uh this was kind of the first time that uh or maybe not the first time it, it had happened on a couple of other instances but um I I kind of got away with winning you know so I I never really uh I never really addressed it but um and I and I always did find in the fights anyways but um in this circumstance I was just too low and like I said like I attributed being too low as a good thing because usually I'm trying to get myself lower so uh, i just made that mistake you know like uh it was just you know needed to, needed to bring myself higher and uh since then um i have been before every sparring session like trying to find myself at at a at a place that i i think i do really well at which is intense enough but also not too intense so uh definitely been practicing that uh a few days a week before the sparring sessions
0: well, I like hearing that about the mental preparation, too, because that, that side of the game always interests me. Now, you, you mentioned in there, too, that you know, you're, you're in a spot now where you, you feel okay with what happened. You're, you're not as angry about it. I have to imagine getting the call from the boss and finding out that you're a headliner on a card at Fight Island against the number one contender in the world probably did you some good, too. Can, can you take me through hearing that after that loss? Yeah,
1: well, that was really unexpected, to be honest with you, because uh, I was unsure what the UFC would do with me after, you know, like, I knew that they were really high on me, and I was like, ah, man, like, they're probably gonna, you know, they're probably just gonna kind of throw me off to the side, and, you know, give me somewhere down, someone down the ranks that they're trying to build up, and all of the kind of, you know, things that you you see happen to people that have, like, losses, and, and Back-to-back losses and blah blah blah, but uh, no, man. I mean, in this circumstance, when my agent told me that, I was like, "Are, are you serious?" And uh, <laughs> he he said and he said that they that's what they wanted, and I said, "Wow, that's really awesome." And uh, it was really unexpected, but man, I'm like super grateful that I feel like the UFC has kind of given me another chance to uh, to put myself in a title position, or at least in a position where I can ask for a title shot afterwards.
0: And I was going to ask you that right as a follow-up, too. Do you feel like, you know, obviously beating Marlon Moraes who's got the number one right next to his name, do you think that that puts you in talk to fight, you know, whoever it is that's the champ at the time? It seems like it's going to be Al versus Peter Jan. Do you feel like this win puts you against the winner of that?
1: Uh, I
2: think it could.
1: I think that um, I I I don't know, man. You know, like uh, I I run through scenarios uh, all day kind of about like the different directions that things can go all the time. And at, at some point it always kind of, you know, gets too exhausting to kind of run those, run those, uh, hypotheticals through my head all day. But, um, I can see them doing that if I, if I perform really well and I knock Marlon out or, or have some like really spectacular fight, like I could see them doing me right afterwards also, but, um, you also have Frankie who just came off of a really impressive win and then you also have T J who's coming back in January. Uh, you know, Cruz is still there and Aldo, I mean, is still a really great competitor. So I mean there's still definitely a lot of guys that uh you know, are are, are not uh are not it's not like if I win I'm the only guy. You know, there's there's plenty of guys in the division that I think have a have a fair argument uh it'll I, I think it'll likely be against one of them but like I said it depends how how uh, how well I perform
0: absolutely now before I ask you about the performance and about the fight coming up I did want to ask you your thoughts on if they do Eljamain Sterling versus Pityan which all, all evidence seems to point to at this point in time what do you think of that matchup what do you think about your former foe here in Aljo up against the, t- the champ? Yeah,
1: um, I'm not sure. I haven't really had time to really think about that fight too much. But I guess uh, my first opinions on it are... um, uh, I don't don't know. I don't think I could pick a winner for that one. I think that that's probably going to be a really interesting match, just kind of stylistically, because... uh, I know they're both really good grapplers, and they're both really good strikers. So, yeah, I, I don't really know. But but then you have Jan, who's a lot cleaner and likes to hit a lot harder. And then you have Aljamain, who, uh, who's a little bit more awkward, but uh, won't hit as hard. But,
0: um, yeah, so
1: I don't know. It's, it's an interesting styl- stylistic matchup, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the stylistic matchup of your fight, because, you know, you just mentioned going in there, getting a knockout win, and that how that would really change things. Is that sort of how you see this fight going? Do, do you see yourself getting in there and, and knocking out Marlon Marais?
1: Um, I think I can look really, really impressive, and I think that uh, Mar- I, I do really well against guys like Marlon. I do well against guys that uh, have good footwork and also really like to throw a lot of heat on their punches. I, I usually do pretty good against those guys um with Marlon, i'm not too sure uh he has shown in the past that he can get hurt with some punches um which I, I i hope to capitalize on but i'm not really counting on um i also think that uh that Marlon is uh hasn't fought in a really long time and he's also one of those guys that gets better and better every time you watch one of his fights so um I'm not really expecting too much, you know, uh, as far as like what his game plan is going to be or if he's going to look like the same Marlon that he looked like before. I think that he's going to be different and I think I'm going to be a lot different because, I mean, I really didn't get to do too much in my last fight and I and I have been working on a lot of really cool stuff and uh, improved my game a lot. So, I mean, while it was a bummer that uh, I didn't get to show it in the last one, I think that this will be a good one for me to show.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. Once again, fans, this is Corey Sanhagen who fights Marlon Marias as the headline of UFC Fight Island 5. Corey, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem, Dan. Thanks for having me on, there.
0: And that interview with Corey Sanhagen is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jujitsu, or any other martial art, log your training sessions to make sure that you are meeting your goals. They also give you a chance to tag different techniques so you can find them easily in the app and log your competition so that you have a nice running record of, you know, what you've been doing when you get out there and compete. Now, in addition to that, they also have an ad-free version of the app called Peak, which you can get at a crazy discount right now of $9.99. It's over an 81% discount right now. So head on over there, get in on the peak, get on a Maroon Social, wherever it is you download apps. All right, and joining me now is Giga Jikazi, who fights Omar Morales at UFC Fight Island 5, Morias versus Sanhagen. So, Giga, I know you were booked with a fight with Alex Caceres a little while back. You, you had to be pulled from that fight. How frustrating was that for you in being that, you know, like Caceres was kind of like one of those first real big names you were going to get a chance to prove yourself against.
3: Yeah, man. Um, I I was super excited to fight Alex because I was watching his fight back in the days when I was in my country 10 years ago, 9 years ago. And uh, I, I remember how me and my friends were that, man, this guy is so nice to first watch. He's exciting. And uh, I remember that I talked to my friend that, hey, man, I'm going to beat his ass in the cage. And, and uh, that was the, uh, the main reason why I was really excited to fight him. But uh, unfortunately, God had a different plan for me. And I'm in this position right now and fully concentrated on this fight.
0: I like that. Now, too, you're fighting Omar Morales, who is a guy who is a little bit more of a striker. So it did wind up being a situation, too, where you're getting a guy who you match up well against, who's got the type of fighting you like. I know in the past you've said to me that everybody turns into a grappler when you start hitting him, right? But do you think that that's true of Morales, too?
3: Everybody, man. Everybody. I know the he's a striker. I, I heard uh, nobody really wanted to take a fight against him in a lightweight and now he's coming down to featherweight. And uh, honestly, man, I I didn't even uh, know his name when, they, when I agreed about to fight him because uh, uh, once I tested the positive uh, in COVID, I was like really frustrated. I was keeping myself in the shape. COVID was gone after 10 days. I tested the name multiple times. And it was already gone. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to fight someone. And uh, it appears that he, he it was uh, Omar Morales. And I'm just facing the uh, just uh, anybody, you know. It was not that I, I check him out. I learned him first and my like that. you know.
0: Well, I really like that mentality that you were willing to fight anybody, especially you know, like, like you said, given a layoff that you you didn't exactly plan. But with a win here, you're gonna be four and zero. Are you looking for like that fight with Caseras again after this, or, or do you think that that merits fighting somebody much higher in the rankings?
3: Uh, I believe I'll be I'll be uh, up on the rankings. Hopefully they puts me after this fight in top 15 i know he's not uh the huge name but he's an undefeated lightweight fighter he's a scary guy looks like you know uh but he made his two good fights inside the usc and for me to knock this guy out after all this resume what i have i think uh USC should put me in top 15. Uh, if not, then we'll see. You know, after this fight, I want somebody top 15. Um, yeah.
0: Well, well, we definitely think you deserve it because I mean, like four and zero at that division is is no easy feat. Now, I, I do want to ask too. You know, like you said, you expect to be moving up into the top 15 you you sort of expect that that you know top 15 name even if you're not in the top 15. Is this a situation where you become a little bit more picky with your opponents? Because I know so far you fought anybody they put in front of you or, or are you still sort of the company guy? You're still the guy who will fight any of those people?
3: Uh, we'll see man. I'm an emotional guy and um, I if somebody will call me out, I'm not gonna let this go. You know, I don't like people talking like this on media and stuff without answering them. But yeah, definitely will be nice to fight uh, anybody who's top 15, top 10. I believe I deserve in this ranking. You know, I I believe that I, I believe I uh, belong to, like top five, top five guys. But you know, this UFC and MMA works differently compared to kickboxing. So, you if everything goes slow, they're not going to put you right away against uh, the big names. Uh, but I know uh, real MMA fans and real fighting fans, they know me, who I am, and my background. So, I think it's the time, man.
0: Absolutely. Now, you, you said too a little bit ago that you plan on going in there and knocking him out to make the statement. Is is that how you see this fight going? You think for sure this is a fight where you're going to land that knockout early?
3: Yes. Yes, definitely. Because it's been already right, three fights I have inside the UFC and all my fights were a decision. Uh, everyone, every fight has uh, its own reason. You know, I, I, My opponent's been changing like week early one day early so like it's really hard to explain to the fans why the ko didn't really came so uh all my kickboxing fights and other mma fights i have seven mma uh different fights besides the ufc uh fights seven wins and all my wins were in the first round first minute so uh, that's what people want to see, and uh, I'm bold of fighting in decision fights, so now it's time for finish.
0: Well, we're certainly looking forward to that. Now, before we let you go, I did want to ask you, it seems like since you came to the UFC, there are more and more fighters from Georgia making their way into the UFC. We've seen Rowan Delizzi show up in the UFC. We saw Liana Jojua come to the UFC, and it seems like there are more names right on the door what does that sort of mean for you? What is it like seeing so many of your countrymen and women coming to the UFC after you sort of broke the door down for them?
3: Definitely. I'm super happy to see their success. I'm very proud of my country people. Uh, even I didn't really know uh, many of those fighters who just got in UFC. I'm very big supporter of them, and I always support them Uh um um as I mentioned before in my interviews, I'm ambassador of my country, so I wanna show the world how positive and how great country I, I we have there. Small, small country which is super strong. So there are so many different fighters who will be soon. You know, in our region we are like in a Caucasus. The northern part of Caucasus is Dagestan, Chechnya and these guys, through Russia, they had a little bit easier way to get in UFC because they represent Russia. And we were an in independent country. We are uh, in a small, small country. And everything for us was uh, uh, even much harder to work hard to make the way. That's why we came so late inside UFC. That's why people know about us late. But we all made making our ways. From different corners around the world, and slowly getting there. So I'm excited. After one year, how many more UFC fighters you guys are gonna have?
0: Well, we're certainly excited to see him too, because every single one of them that stepped in the cage has been fun to watch. But of course, we're gonna be watching you first this upcoming weekend. Giga Chikazi fights Omar Morales at UFC Fight Island Five. Marias versus Sanhagen. Giga, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much, Len. And a really quick sh- shout out I want to give my sponsors Acharabet, PetroCast Energy Group, uh, Saigon Sports Club, and uh, Models, who just started to sponsoring me. Besides, it will be even harder to uh, prepare for the fights. And because I have them, it's so much easier for me to be there where I am and uh, perform. Hundred percent for you guys.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed those interviews with Giga Chikadzi and Corey Sanhagen. I once again am Daniel Gumby Freeland and I am now joined by Shockwave Dave Tremonte Dave, let's talk about some of the banner going on in the UFC verse right now, maybe the Twitter verse or the Instagram verse or whatever verse you want to talk about. It seems to be all about the fact that people want Israel Adesanya versus John Jones. I wanna know do you think that fight happens?
2: Gumby, I 100% no make that nay, make that a 1,000% think that fight will eventually happen. I think Jones gave up that title primarily to go to heavyweight, but really what it's about is big money fights. He had cleared out the division. There were no more big money fights at 205 anymore, no more grudge matches. Him and Izzy have gone out of their way to make this a borderline pro wrestling back and forth. The insults are almost getting... Too personal, again, a little bit like wrestling. Is it bordering on a work? Is it a shoot? That's some insider wrestling terminology for you right there. But that's a money fight. And like we said last week on the podcast, I mean, who's going to fucking beat Izzy? There's not really a great 185 fight, at, uh, you know, or there's not really a great challenger for the 185 title for him. What are we doing? Waiting on uh, Jared Cannonier to get another win? That's going to put everyone to sleep.
0: Yeah, well, and I will say, first of all, I will point out that Jared Cannonier opened as a favorite against Robert Whitaker recently, which, first of all, I think is ludicrous, but uh, certainly the the bookmakers think, and probably the public thinks, that Jared Cannonier is actually going to pull that off, which I don't. And then, yeah, you're right, we're going to see Robert Whitaker versus Izzy, too, which, you know, the first one didn't end with me looking for more. And, And I think you made that point, too, about the fact that John Jones left that division just because the UFC was not going to pay him the big bucks to knock off, you know, Yuri Proshaka, Or to knock off Tiago Santos a second time. Or Glover Teixeira. Like, they weren't going to pay him to fight those. Not the money he wants. So, like, yeah, he needs the big money fight. He thought going up to heavyweight was the only option. I think with such a performance against Costa... Izzy opened up the possibility that there might've been a money fight left to go at two Oh five. The only thing that makes me have pause and and I'd like to get your input on this is that it gives me pause that like, would John Jones fight again at two Oh five for no title?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think at his age, at this point, he's just looking for the fat envelopes. And at, at right now, it's either you know a Stipe, a Nagano up at heavyweight. His longtime rival DC is now retired, and if Izzy wants to come up at 205 and you make that like a grudge match, look, we are in the era of the BMF title, which did the best business in 2019. If I'm if I'm correct off the top of my head, uh, that's the era we're in. You know, so make it the trash talk the baddest trash talk title and you got Jones versus Izzy and it's going to be a million pay-per-view buys and ESPN's going to be very happy and you got to keep the mouse house happy. So yeah, why not?
0: And and here's a follow-up question to that. So I, I, I sort of agree with you that maybe he would fight for no title. He would certainly fight for a made up pretend money title of some sort, you know, like the money belt or whatever the hell you want to call it would they make it though instead of inventing a new belt similar to the VMF would they just make it an interim title fight
2: oh yeah yeah that's a great question <laughs> they might knowing the ufc and their love of interim titles and murkying up and muddying waters yeah but honestly at this point and i hate to say it because i know you're a traditionalist when it comes to the belts i am as well it just doesn't matter anymore. I'm sure Jones, whether he's a champion or whether he's just John Jones, he's going to walk into that ring at $5 a pay-per-view buy, $4 a pay-per-view buy. You know, he's not an up-and-coming fighter at this point that needs to become the champion to get to that next year of pay-per-view buys. He's a name in and of himself, uh, and, you know, how he got there through – nefarious means and just always having his name in the spotlight whether bad or good that's another story but for him it's just about driving up that buy rate and you know how many more fights does Jones have left in him even if you know you you figure he maybe has five I I mean what is he now is he mid-30s he's 33 or the
0: I can put the intern on it but I think he's lower 30s if I had to guess that would be, God, right. that's so amazing. Cause he became a champion so yeah, young. Give, other this. Thing. That man was born in 1987. My friends, he is only, uh, but, he is only 33 years old. <laughs> okay. True. So
2: he's turning 34 next year, but let's just say he fights one more time. If they get him in for December this year and then, or maybe not even, maybe it's like the January, February, let's say he fights two more times at age 34 Then you're getting into h 35, let's not forget that a 205, you know, it's not like heavyweight where you could fight up into your forties. We saw how Chuck and Tito went out in their mid to late thirties. So my point being, if he has three, four, five fights left, I guarantee you he's just going for the biggest names, the biggest envelopes possible. And he gave up his, you know, if he cared about, Defending that title He would have fucking kept the title He didn't keep the title yeah, He's sorry. going for the money baby
0: Yeah and I, I will agree with you that he would have defended it if he cares about it But here's the thing I will rebuke on you Is that I don't agree That 205 is not just like A pretty much a carbon copy of heavyweight In terms of age curves Because guess how old The current 205 champion Is uh, 34 four. Thirty seven, my friends. He is thirty seven yeah, a- years old. So Jan Blankovich is still doing it at thirty seven. Dude, you could get another six years out of John Jones if you really wanted to milk that goat.
2: And he might want to milk that goat. I think the other thing with Jones though is I think he has more mileage on his body, more championship fights. I'm not finished a little more drug use on the side too. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean again if he cared about the title, he would have kept the title. He wants the big money fight, and he wouldn't be spending this much time hyping up Izzy if he didn't have the payday in mind. That all being said, I'll tell you what I have in mind. It's our favorite segment on the show, fights, dogs, parlays, and boy, oh boy, are we on a roll. We basically can't miss, and I hope you're following our betting advice because whoo, we're good at what we do, and it hates to, I hate to be the one to have to say that, but sometimes you've got to be your own agent in life. So before we get into it, Let's ask this, Gumby. Does any company sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays?
0: Absolutely. This version of Fights, Dogs, and pro- Parlays is brought to you by the Pro Pace app. Visit at ProPace app on Twitter. It's an application that is launching later this month that allows you to have the features of a home gym right in your home or garage. And the really cool thing about it is it's got an interval timer, just like that gym when you're doing your martial arts or you're hitting the heavy bag, it starts and stops for rounds, but it doesn't just do that. It also helps you keep pace with custom noises that allow you to know when to strike. And if you can't keep up, they penalize you on your score. So it's a great way to keep yourself accountable while getting a great workout. And and if it's too fast, too slow, they've got five different levels for you to choose from. So check them out at pro pace app on Twitter to make sure you're getting those alerts for when that app drops.
2: Boom. Well, i tell you what I can't wait to drop, and that's this main event, because it's pretty freaking exciting. Corey Sanhagen is a minus-155 favorite to Marlon Moraes, the plus-135 dog, former title challenger. This has huge title implications on it. Corey Sanhagen is favored over Marlon Moraes, and he's coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling via rear-naked choke. But before that, boy, oh boy, did he go on a big win streak. He had a seven-fight win streak before running into Aljo, beat the likes of uh, Uri Alcantara, uh, Mario Batista, John Lineker, and Rafa Sunsal. But then, of course, this past June, lost to Aljamain Sterling. Marlon Morais is coming off a win over Jose Aldo, who somehow in Dina's mind, earned a title shot off of a loss. But that's another story for another day. So he beat Jose Aldo, but before that, lost to the champion uh, Henry Cejudo, who has since retired, but I think he'll come back at some point. And before going into that Cejudo fight, he had reeled off a four-fight win streak with wins over some huge names, Dotson, Aljo, Jimmy Rivera, and got back a win over Rafa Sunsao, who he had lost to earlier in his career. So... All said, Marlon Morais, the dog in this fight, is 5-1 and one in his last six with the one loss coming to the former champ, Henry Cejudo. But he's a dog, Gumby. He's a dog. Who you got?
0: I'm going with Corey Sanhagen, and I'm going with Corey Sanhagen for, for a really crazy reason. So, you know, like when we first—I first looked at this and saw Sanhagen as a favorite— First of all, I was a little bummed because I was already planning on taking him as a dog, and now I know I can't get dog money on him. But, uh, you know, one of the things about why he is sort of shockingly a favorite here is that stylistically he matches up so well with Marlon Marias. You know, you mentioned the loss to Aljamain Sterling, and meanwhile, Marias has got to win. We know we can't count on MMA math, and if you look at the reason why Marlon Marias won that fight against Algermaine Sterling is he does really well against guys who don't have a ton of reach. You know, you, saw, you said he knocked out Jimmy Rivera, who's notoriously a short guy and, and notoriously a little bit more stocky of a guy. Now, Al Sterling has got a little bit more reach in his arms, but at the same time, not a super tall guy, not a super, like, long, lanky guy. Corey Sanhagen, on the other hand, is a very tall, lanky Bantamweight. He's a guy who you don't typically see that kind of size on in that division. And in addition to that, Corey Sanhagen lost to Al Sterling because He had a little bit of trouble with the grappling there, and we've seen him have a little bit of trouble with the grappling other times in his career. You know, like, the the Mario Batista fight, particularly. He got an armbar off his back, but, you know, not good to be put on your back by Mario Batista. So, like, we know Corey Sanhagen, that would be the path to victory against him, and I just don't see Marlon Marais going there. Marlon Marais has got some sub-wins, but those sub-wins are after stinging people with their hands, so... No, I'd like Corey Sandhagen to sort of pick away from on him from range, kind of frustrate him, beat him up a little bit that way, similar to what he did to John Lineker, and I could see that being the key path to victory for Corey Sandhagen here, and I like him by decision.
2: All right. I'm not gonna argue with that. I could see this going to decision. I'm on the fence and I don't know that I've necessarily made up my mind. I do not hate the Corey Sandhagen pick because I'm thinking about taking him myself. But I'm also not going to be shocked if Marlon Maurice pulls off a win. What I am shocked by, though, is that Ben Rothwell's fighting. He's still fighting. Uh, He obviously had a long layoff uh, for a few years. But it's just crazy to me because at this point, at age 38, this man has had, oh, my gosh, 50 professional fights. He's 38-12 and total. And get this, he's on a two-fight win streak after losing – three in a row, and that's dating back to a loss against Junior Dos Santos in 2016 and then a three-year layoff. He came back and lost immediately to Blagoj Ivanov and Andre Arlovsky, but now he's on a two-fight win streak. TKO'd Stefan Struve, got a split decision win over Ovin St. Pru. So since coming back last year, 2019, he's two and two, and he is going to be going up against Marcin Tibera. Who's on a two fight win streak himself? Beat Sergei Spivak, beat Maxim Grishin, but before that lost to Augusto Sakai via KO and Shamila Derek via TKO. So he's two and two in his last four. And if you want to peel it back even further, he also has a win over the aforementioned Stefan Struve. So he's three and two in his last five if you want to take it from there. That all being said, Ben Rothwell, the minus 200 favorite, Ty Burrow, the plus 170 dog.
0: Who you got? So, uh, first of all, I want to start off by saying that that two-fight win streak for Rothwell is a little tainted for me because he did kick Stefan Struve in the Nuggets about 350 times in that fight. Uh, and Struve somehow got coaxed back into finishing the fight and wound up losing. Um, so, uh, yeah, he beat Stefan Struve, but in my opinion, he didn't really beat Stefan Struve. Uh, and then, you know, beating Ovin St. Preux as a heavyweight to me is also... Maybe not the most impressive thing in the world, right? That guy's a light heavyweight. And don't get me wrong, he's an enormous light heavyweight. But Rothwell's also a big heavyweight. So, you know, the size advantage there wasn't as big as it could be for a lot of those style fights. But, again, he's a bigger guy. Here's the thing, though. I still think I'm picking Rothwell, and here's why. Look back at Martine Tybura's last three wins. You know, you mentioned he beat Grishan and Spivak and Struve. And he got TKO'd the other two times. Listen to his takedown numbers in fights he won. He beat Maxim Grishin, scored three takedowns. He beat Sergei Spivak, he landed two takedowns. He beat Stefan Struve, he got five takedowns. So we look at all of that, and now let's look at what he did in his losses. Zero and zero. So he's a guy who lately has really relied on that takedown to win him some decisions, and he hasn't finished any fights. If you're shooting a takedown on Ben Rothwell, what is the big danger here, Dave? A go-go choke, a guillotine, something modified, getting starched with a right hand on the way in. Like, Ben Rothwell has got lots of answers for that kind of takedown that we're going to continuously see from Tybura, and I just think that Ben Rothwell seems to be a nightmare kind of matchup for him in those regards.
2: I'm not going to argue with you, and you know me. I always go with the guy who's bringing a submission game, and that is Rothwell. If his neck, or I should say if Tybura's neck, gets anywhere near Rothwell's uh, bear paws, it's going to be chokeout City. Okay, this is a fun one. Uh, Edson Barbosa is a minus 250 favorite. He's a minus 250 favorite. I want you to remember that. He's facing Makwan Amirakani, a plus 210 dog. But here's the crazy-ish. Edson Barbosa is on a three-fight losing streak. And if you want to peel it back a ways, he is 1-4. Five in his last six, so now, he's faced top flight competition, the best of the best at 155, but I always start to worry about fighters when they become known as the fun fighters, the guy Joe Rogan waxes poetic about on his fight companions for four hours, we all love Edson Barbosa, we all love his kicks, but this is a pivotal point in his career uh, three fight losing streak to Gaethje Paul Felder, Dan Ige Both uh, Ege and Felder were split decision losses. He beat Dan Hooker with a KO. Great fight back in December of 2018. Lost to Kevin Lee via TKO before that. Lost to some guy. I don't know. I don't even know what happened to this guy. His name's Kabib Nurmagomedov. Never heard of him. And that was a unanimous decision loss. That must have been really ugly. Uh, But that being said, he's the favorite here. Uh, Makwan Amirakani. Coming off a win over Danny Henry via uh, Anaconda Choke. We love that. Lost to Shane Burgos before that. Beat Chris Fishgold and Jason Knight before that. So he is 3-1 and one in his last four. That's dating back to 2018. But a 2-1 to dog here, really. Who you got?
0: You know... I, I've, I've been thinking about this fight a lot in the last couple of days because I, I'm wondering what kind of fighter here Edson Barbosa is. Because, first of all, what we are saying he's coming up with a three fight losing streak. I scored that fight against Danny Yang for him. I, I 100% thought Edson Barbosa won that fight. He won two out of three rounds. There's no way you score that fight for Danny Gang in my mind. So, for me, he's 1 0 at, at Featherweight. And now we see him against a guy in Makwan who, like you said, has a loss against, like, the only really notable name in that last four fights is Shane Burgos, and that's who he has the loss to. But also, just to to peel back the curtain on that loss a little bit, too, he did hit three takedowns, he clearly won the first round, and he probably would have had Burgos in a lot more bad positions had Burgos not stopped takedowns by grabbing the cage. They let him grab the cage, like, two or three times in there, I personally think Amir Khani might have won the second round had it not happened. And he would have been up two rounds to none. Maybe let Ben a little bit less desperate in that third round before getting knocked out. So like we could really be talking about him on a four fight win streak. And to be honest, I I think that his style plays really well against somebody like Edson Barboza, who, you know, he stuffed a few of Danny Gay's takedowns, but he did concede one or two of them as well. And to be honest, I I think Makwan Amir Khani's offensive wrestling while not as potent, is more deadly once it gets to the ground. And Edson Barboza, obviously good at jiu-jitsu himself, but I mean, I like Amir Khani enough on his feet to stay safe against Edson Barboza and to work him around enough in the grappling department to maybe steal a decision or even a submission here. All
2: right, I like it. Our underdog of the week is Stephanie Ager, plus 225. She's facing Tracy Cortez. Why is she our dog of the week?
0: Well, it's a pretty simple one for me is because I'm a big fan of of good grapplers. And she is a European qualifier uh, for ADCCs. She won the European qualifier. And then in the first round got given Gabby Garcia, who is an absolute monster. And the craziest thing about that is that it wasn't the least competitive match I've ever seen with Gabby Garcia. She was able to, to throw Gabby Garcia. She actually won throw of the tournament at Abu Dhabi's. Uh, in 2019. So I know I'm talking, you know, grappling gibberish to a few of you just pure MMA fans, but she basically went to the Olympics of grappling, grappled somebody who weighs, I don't know, 250 pounds, and looked like she was just as strong enough to hang around in that match, which to me is so interesting because she used to fight at 145. She's very physically strong, and she's fighting a woman coming up from 125 pounds in Tracy Cortez who likes to try to bully people like that. That's sort of uh, her game plan. She likes to put people up against the cage, throw a bunch of, you know, you know, volume strikes. She likes to pin them there and let them tire themselves out a little bit. I just don't see her doing that against somebody who's such a good grappler. And yeah, I guess she could just keep the space a little bit more, but if she falls back on her clinch here, I just see her getting thrown And Maybe it only takes one spot to the mat For Eggers to to lock up a submission here and maybe put Cortez away, and and as far as that being a game plan to win and being not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard, at plus 225, it is like a can't-miss kind of bat.
2: Well, I'll tell you, it also might not be a can't-miss, and that's our parlay to play this week. Take Yusuf Zalal, minus 170, and Tony Kelly, minus 200. Put them together, you're going to get plus 140 odds on this parlay. Break her down.
0: So let's start with Tony Kelly. I am a huge Tony Kelly fan after his one fight in the UFC. Of course, he lost a fight of the night battle with Kai Kamaka III. And, and like, it was the opening fight of the night, and it won fight of the night. That tells you just in and of itself how exciting of a fight that was because Dana White never gives the opening fight fight of the night. So, like, for him to do that is impressive. Now, the reason it was impressive is because he can take a hell of a shot Keep coming forward. He throws great volume strikes. He has good power in his hands. You know, he had Kai Kamaka on wobbly legs once or twice. It's a very exciting fight. And he's fighting Al Casey, a, a guy from Jordan who, who sort of relies on his wrestling a little bit, but also went 2-9 against Erwin Rivera in his takedown. So, like, I'm not really impressed with his grappling game. And knowing that I'm not really impressed with his grappling game, he's going to fall back on it as much as he can. And I just think he's going to get blasted on the feet by Tony Kelly. I think negative 200 is a pretty safe thing to add into a parlay. I'm adding Yusuf Zalal here. And I know a lot of people are high on the newcomer, Aaliyah Torpura. Uh, And just for me, Yusuf Zalal is on pace to become the first four-fight winner in 2020. That's right. This is his fourth fight in 2020. And he's done it with all kinds of different strategies. You know, he went in there and out-wrestled Austin Lingo. He went out there and and almost rear naked choked Peter Barrett. And he had a fight in there where he, like, leaned heavily on his his striking. Like, he has just shown to be a very complete martial artist. I love his style. I love watching him fight. And and while the newcomer has got definitely some power and a couple of good chokes, I, I think sticking with the guy who's not taking this on short notice and has fought, you know, a bunch of times in the UFC already... Is a safer play here. So I'm going to pair Zolaw and Kelly and get plus 140 back.
2: Well, he might end up to be the first to four wins in 2020. But I'll tell you something right now. Kazmat Chimioff,
0: he'll probably have four wins next month alone. How about that? (laughs) I'm interested to see who he's going to fight next. Do you have any opinion on what might might happen there? You know, for him, I know there are a lot of people
2: who think like the top Five is too soon and I'm kind of with that I think it has to be top 10 I'm okay if it's not top 5 and for him I, I'm down to see him at 185 or 170 it doesn't matter to me where is your where do you kind of lie on that
0: I kind of want to see him down at 170 because I think that that's um, a more realistic route for him I think he might have not that he's not a big guy but I think he might have problem with some of the bigger size like the, the Yoel Romero's up at at 185 I'd like to see him at 170 and to be honest with you I'd like to see him fight I know Neil Magny is calling for that fight I think he's just outside of the top 10 um but he's a guy who's on a good streak he's got good wrestling it would be a different kind of length for Kamzat to to deal with and if he dealt with him easy then we could start talking about the you know the Wonder Boys and the Leon Edwards and stuff but I, I totally agree with you the Leon Edwards and and Wonder Boys are way too early for for Chimeyev at this point. I could live
2: with a Magny, even if he's, like, ranked number 12 or whatever. But he's another one where it's, like, you know, veteran presence, good all around, doesn't really have one blaring weakness, doesn't really have one blaring
0: strength. That's a great next step for him, in my opinion. So I yeah, like that and, one very and he, much And well. he wants the fight, too. Like, Neil Magny wants that fight. So, like, give it to Neil Magny. Who, you know, he could headline a card and we would watch it. The, the other thing is the UFC knows how to build a guy, and I view that
2: very much as just such a logical next step because he's headlined cards before. If you remember, he headlined the Kelvin Gastelum card down in Mexico a few years ago. He's a name like you know, a casual probably knows him just because he's been hanging around now for six or seven years. He happens to be at one of the best teams uh, along with Rose and Justin Gaethje, Trevor Whitman. So I think that kind of helps his stock as well because someone sees him going up against Shimeev and you're like, hey, who's that guy again? And then your buddy says, oh, he trains with uh, Justin Gaethje and Rosnami Yunus. He is that same coach. So I think that's a great next step, but not top five yet. I I think you save the top five for his fifth fight, and that would make a lot of sense, uh, provided that he, you know, Smokes Magni, which I think you would. So that wraps it up for our uh, Chimia Fantasy booking. We'll really that again next week. It wraps it up for Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. So, Gumby, why don't you just wrap this show up as a whole?
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on. And we want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and the ProPace app. Make sure to check out and keep an eye out for the Pro Pace app. Plus, you should also check us out on Twitter, at MMA and Instagram, same thing, at MMA. I'm Dan, you're going to be ruined. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte and we'll catch you next week.